right, welcome back to another episode of Fast Break Lab NBA Podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. Got with me a guest today, my boy Romp, aka Romp 2.0 from YouTube. He makes excellent YouTube videos about NBA players and their stories. Anything that's going on in the NBA, NBA draft prospects, anything NBA, you name it, he does it. Make sure you check out his channel and I'll have the links below. Romp, say what's up to the people. What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so Romp, you are a Sixers fan. Yes, yes. How do you feel about James Harden not being traded to the Sixers? I was um initially I was very very disappointed, but like now that I'm thinking about it, now that I get got a day to process it, I'm kind of like I'm just happy it's over with because. Every game I was like looking at our team and I was like, we could have James Harden, but instead we have Ben Simmons being Ben Simmons. You know what I'm saying? But now I'm glad it's over. I know I'm stuck with passive Ben Simmons. So I'm kind of over it. And I'm like, hopefully Ben can live up to his potential. Yeah. So I we I, we both saw this clip that was um circulating on Twitter about Ben Simmons. And I will get into that later. Mm-hmm. But like... I really thought, okay, so basically, I want to recap. First, let's recap the events that led up to everything that happened yesterday. So as of recording this, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, Thursday night. The James Harden trade is almost official, but everybody knows what happened and what led up to it. He had some post-game comments that basically he sounded like he just gave up on the situation um, <laughs> nine games into the situation. Nine games into the season, which is like wild to 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 think about, but also you kind of understand that he 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 been requested this trade and they didn't really grant it, so he's kind of acting out at this point. Mm-hmm. And then um, John Wall, of course, responded saying, "How are you going to give up nine games into the season?" And he also said he also said another quote that went kind of unnoticed and under the um under everything. He said it's hard to like win games when 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 one person when when someone isn't buying in. And that was like a direct shot at Harden because he's obviously not buying in and he's his last couple I think his last 5 games he's averaged like 17 points or something like that. So mm-hmm. he's obviously haven't he, he obviously hasn't been in the rhythm of the offense. He obviously is done with the team. And the next day, which was Wednesday, they asked him not to come to practice. And then we had all these quotes coming out from Boogie, Christian Wood, Eric Gordon. Basically, everybody was like, this has been going on since training camp began and it's been a mess. And it finally got resolved because Houston, I, I feel like Houston rushed it a little bit, although they yeah, did definitely. get a decent, although they did get a decent amount of draft capital. I feel like if they waited for the Sixers to come around, they probably would have got the Sixers deal. I honestly thought the Sixers deal was all but done, especially after Mark Stein's tweets mm-hmm. with with Maxi being involved and then they wanted Matisse Thybul. And I was like, this thing really looks like it's picking up some steam. So when I saw, like, after it died down for like an hour and then, boom, I saw the Woj tweet about going to Brooklyn. I was like, completely shocked so i know you you made a reaction video of like how you how you felt initially i I didn't get a chance to see it because i wanted to actually get your i (laughs) i could imagine because it going back to what we 
what I mentioned before about the clip of Ben Simmons, and there was another clip of today's game. He when he gets to the rim, it's like he doesn't want to score, which is so odd because mm-hmm. he's someone that's like so big, and he looks like someone that would dominate, but he just doesn't have that mentality to just yep. attack. Exactly. And it's so odd when people say that, oh, just surround him with a bunch of shooters and he'll be like Giannis. I'm like, no. Thank you. Thank you. I was, just, I was gonna bring that up. I was like, <laughs> it's you like can't do no. that. he doesn't have the mentality. Exactly, exactly. He doesn't have the aggressive mentality to just score and just like go at someone relentlessly. And I like Ben Simmons, but that's part of something that's pissed me off about watching him. It's like he hasn't changed over the past four years offensively defensively of course he's made some strides like he's a defensive player of the year candidate back-to-back years now but offensively he's 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 not someone that you want to make i don't think your um primary initiator i i have him more of like a draymond green role so how 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 are your feelings on ben simmons so far so i made a video like two weeks ago i was like ben simmons is holding the sixers back it got a lot of dicks, dislikes, a lot of dislikes, more dislikes than likes. But I'll, I will always say this. Ben Simmons is great in transition, but he is useless in the half court. Absolutely useless in the half court. And the thing that has um, made me pissed off and the reason I kind of turned on Ben Simmons this year is because he makes life so much harder for Joel Embiid. When he's on the court, they literally have to put him in the short corner when Embiid's posting up, because if you put Ben at the three-point line, they're double-teaming him. And Embiid gets doubled regardless who's on the court. But with Ben on the court, you know he's getting doubled every possession. And it just makes me mad because like, you would think Ben would see that and adjust accordingly and start shooting in the offseason or at least take some shots. Please, for the love of God, take some shots to help your star player because Embiid in this relationship has just been abused by Ben Simmons. And I, and um, I was listening to like a really prestigious Sixers podcast and they said if they don't get rid of Ben Simmons and they end up losing in the playoffs, in like two more years, I could see Embiid requesting a trade because it's just Ben isn't pulling his weight. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that. And um, that was one of the main reasons why I thought like the James Harden fit with the Sixers was just like. A perfect fit because they need someone that can initiate offense for the team in the half court and James Harden is like if not the best one of the best half court initiators that we have in the game or if ever and I felt like that that combination of them would have been would have been unstoppable in the east you already see it. the Sixers are already they're already rolling right now with what they got and it's a matter of time to see how how it how it deals in the playoffs because what I've noticed with the Sixers team is that you you guys have a lot of bodies. Like you guys have a lot of guys that you can like throw out there and give you useful mm-hmm. minutes. Like Shake Milton today dropped like yep. thirty one and like seven off the bench, My right? God. Tyrese Maxey gave gave you I don't know it was like fifteen points today off the bench or something. Yeah, he or had like um, he had eleven in like the first quarter. Yeah. So and then you got Tobias Harris. You got. Dwight Howard backing up Embiid, giving you solid backup center minutes. You got um, Tobias Harris has been somewhat re-unlocked by Doc Rivers once again. 
Um, so like a lot of things are just going well for you guys, but it's like I I could imagine if that James Harden trade went through, it just been like raps for the for the East at that point because like that's like one dominant duo right there of just like offensive offensive scoring punch from both of them but then you also have Embiid who can like shore up the defense that exactly yeah because so, uh, a lot of yeah, people say a lot of people say that if they lose Simmons they lose a lot of defense but the truth in the situation is Embiid's still the best defender on the team because of his um interior presence yeah and going shifting over to the net side um so I was always not the biggest fan of them making this move. I'm, as you know, I'm a Knicks fan, so I really don't care what the Nets do if, like, if it sets their franchise back or not. Giving up eight picks, I mean, you probably won't need the picks anyways when you have Kyrie and KD anyways. But like, they also have player options, and they who knows how 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 quickly their feelings can change about the team if they don't accomplish anything and they can be out of there. And now you don't have those picks. So that's one mm-hmm. thing I was thinking about as well. But one thing I, I was always adamant about was keeping your depth because that's one thing that is always going to um I felt like the depth was one thing that was the strength of the Nets. As we saw, like even as Kyrie went out, you saw like Karis Levert stepped up. He he scored some you had Bruce Brown um scoring um playing defense and giving some solid minutes. Um, you got Reggie Perry. Like they had, they have like a a solid. They had some solid depth, and of course, the interior presence, Jared Allen, who everyone thought should have been starting since the beginning of the season, but you know, since DeAndre is friends with Katie and Kyrie, that wasn't the case. And it's just like they just gave him away to Cleveland, and I'm just like, like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I understand the offensive firepower that you guys add with James Harden but that was never the issue with this Nets team like offense was never the question it was always what are they going to do to shore up their defense yep so it's, it's kind so of how do you feel about that? it's it's kind of confusing but at the end of the day they have James Harden and KD and I don't know how you stop that necessarily I don't think any East team can stop that but then like you said, the defense is kind of um, up in the air. Like, if they play the Sixers, who's stopping Embiid? Like, that's my question for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, they have no interior presence. So, I think defense is just going to be a concern in the playoffs. But on offense, they'll be fine. So, I think they have a chance against anyone because you have Kyrie, KD, and James Harden. But if they end up losing, they're, they're pretty much screwed. Like, this trade is pretty much... Um, championship or bust. If they don't get a championship out of this, they, they set their franchise back like five years. Yeah. Um. And um. Speaking of Embiid, I I've actually made a tweet the other day. I was like, if they face, if Embiid faces the Nets in a potential playoff matchup, he's breaking records in that series. Like, like you saw what he did. I what was it against Miami the other night? He dropped like forty five. Um. And what, what, was, what was it like sixteen rebounds or something like that? Yeah, like, he had like four steals and like four blocks or something crazy like that. Yeah, and he's he's going to be putting up numbers like that on the regular against the Nets in the playoffs, potentially if they don't add any interior presence. I don't know who they necessarily add because there's like very little on the market and what they can really afford at this point. People um forget that Embiid averaged 30 points a game with that terrible roster 
last year against the Celtics in the playoffs. Yeah. So imagine against DeAndre Jordan, who's like completely washed at this yeah, point. Yeah, w- with shooters around him. Yeah. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. And you already you already know the Nets defense is is porous. So I was thinking, I was listening to um a pod this a podcast this morning, and they were talking about what teams can throw their best options out at um Katie, Kyrie, and Harden. So I was I, I wrote down some of these some of these um three three man groups that they were giving out who can guard these three. And I thought it was very interesting. You got um your Sixers, of course. They have bodies that they can throw at um you could throw Ben Simmons, you could throw um a Tobias Harris, you could throw Danny Green in the mix. You guys got a lot of people that you can throw towards Katie, Kyrie, and Harden. Um, Milwaukee's another team with Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. Yes. Of course, you got the Lakers with Braun, AD, and then they have a, a mixture of defensive guards that they can throw at Kyrie with um, a, a KCP, a Caruso. You already saw what Caruso did to Harden and, and, and them in the bubble, so you're, that already gives you an idea of how Lakers would be able to scheme against Harden, at least in that essence. And then they got Taylor Horton Tucker, who's been emerging for them. Um, you got the Clippers, of course, with Kawhi and PG, and then you could throw like Pat Bev. Um, the Heat, and then you also have the Celtics. So which which grouping do you think gives has the best opportunity of guarding, has the best chance of limiting that um that trio in Brooklyn? Um, are you saying the East or just in the NBA? And and in the NBA in general. I would say the Lakers because they also have AD and he's going to keep the painted area like on lock. And I think KCP's kind of overlooked. He's a pretty good on-ball defender, gives his effort. And then, like you said, Caruso. And then you got LeBron. Like LeBron could turn it on whenever he wants to on defense. You know what I'm saying? So I think the Lakers and then in the East, um, I like the Bucks and I like the Sixers. I, the Bucks, you could throw Giannis on KD. You could throw Drew Holiday on Kyrie or Harden. Like the Bucks, I like a lot, honestly. And the Sixers, of course, you got Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And Tobias Harris is actually pretty good defensively, in my opinion. Yeah, he is. Um. So yeah, I mean, it. I I can't wait to see this team come playoff time because during the regular season, they're gonna have to work out their kinks, of course, <laughs> with how they um implement Harden into the offense um like because with for me it's like I know James Harden is like he loves to be on ball and he of course scoffed at the idea of coming off ball when Chris Paul was there and that's part of the reason why Chris Paul's not there anymore um so it's going to be interesting to see I mean I know he wanted to play with with Kyrie and um Katie, but he also wanted to play with Chris Paul and Westbrook. So it's 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 very it's gonna be very interesting to see how this team works out the chemistry as well as how they how they um how they share the ball on offense as well as what kind of scheme they come up with defensively. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how um Brooklyn um figures this out. I think their offense is gonna be like crazy to watch. Like it's gonna be insane because they got um Steve Nash and then D'Antoni right next to him. So, you know, they're going to be a great offense. It's just going to be like 
when Brooklyn loses five games in a row, if that happens, like how's the locker room going to handle that? How's Kyrie going to handle that? How's James Harden? Are they going to explode? Like, can they keep it together when things go wrong? That's the biggest question mark, in my opinion, for that team. Yeah, definitely. Um, And of course, we got to talk about some of the other teams that were included in this deal because it wasn't just um, the Rockets and the Nets, of course. The Pacers got involved. They got um, Karis LeVert and a second rounder. Um, somehow they somehow the way this worked was the Ro- the Nets sent Karis LeVert to the Rockets, but then the Rockets sent him to the Pacers for Victor Oladipo. That's how they got Victor Oladipo. Um, and then the Cavs got Jared Allen, as I mentioned, as well as Torian Prince. So how do you feel about um, Karis LeVert on the Pacers and, and that fit? Well, recently I made a video on the Pacers, um, how I think they're like a dark horse team to like make a run in the playoffs, kind of like how Miami did last year. I like their team. I like Malcolm Brogdon. I like Sabonis. And like in my video, I barely mentioned Victor Oladipo because like he hasn't been around in the past couple of years because of injury. And like last year, there was rumors he wanted out. So I think they just they got rid of him because of that. And I think Karis Levert's going to get more opportunity. He got a lot of opportunity in Brooklyn and in the playoffs that one year against Philly. He averaged like 30 points a game in that playoff series. It's just a matter if he could stay healthy. But I think it's a perfect fit for him. He's going to get more opportunity. And once again, just got to stay healthy. And the whole Pacers team got to stay healthy because they're dealing with a, a lot of injuries right now. Yeah, that's one thing that's always plagued the Pacers and I was thinking to myself I was like imagine how good this team would be well how would they be currently I was thinking about this before Oladipo got traded but if they had Oladipo fully healthy TJ Warren fully healthy because we know he's out with I don't remember what it is but it is a foot injury and of course Jeremy Lamb a lot of people have forgotten about Jeremy Lamb he hurt his knee really bad a couple um I think it was last year early last year so their wing depth would have been way more improved than what it is currently. So I could just imagine they're going to probably slot Karras into that Victor Oladipo slot because Victor Oladipo is kind of becoming the third option now. Yeah, he was. In in Indiana. Like, it was mainly run the offense through Sabonis, and then Brogdon would get his opportunity. And then after that, we we would see if Victor Oladipo can get us some looks. But yeah, he was becoming that third option, and he's an expiring deal. So they were like, might as well get something for him. Mm-hmm. You got Karis Levert, who's on a cheaper deal. He's younger. Um, I believe he's younger, I think. Um, and yeah, they got a they also got a second round pick out of that. So you can use that as an asset moving forward. Um, but yeah, I do like them as a dark horse team because I do like the way Sabonis has been playing. He is definitely an early MVP candidate for me. A lot of these big men have been killing it so far, which I, I, I do want to talk about. He loves to see it. It's, it's bringing back a little bit of the old, old, um, the old NBA, the way it was before. But um, yeah, I definitely do like their, um, their chances in the East. I mean, after the Nets and like the Sixers and Milwaukee, it's like pretty much up for grabs because a lot of teams are dealing with a whole bunch of different situations at the moment, which we will also touch on. Um, but yeah. Um, um, how do you like Victor Oladipo's fit in um, Houston? I don't know if they're really going to keep him because I also heard some rumors of him also still wanting to be traded to Miami, I believe it is. So 
yeah, how do you feel about Oladipo's fit so far right now in Houston? Uh, I was kind of confused by that, to be honest. Like, I get that they got, like, a, a whole lot of picks, but, like, I feel like, like you said, they kind of rushed it. Like, why didn't they wait for the Sixers deal? Like, you could get Simmons and Maxi. Like, I feel like that, that's that way better than Oladipo. Yeah, that's a way better offer. Plus, you have Ben Simmons under contract control for longer. Mm-hmm. And then you also have Maxi on his rookie skill deal still. It's like, I don't know why they didn't wait for Sixers to come around because eventually I think they would have felt the pressure and would have caved in. But And I don't know, why, why did they bring James Harden back? Like, I feel like that was a terrible idea. Why didn't they just, like, let him just sit out? Like, just tell him, we'll, we'll work a trade when we work a trade, like kind of like Anthony Davis did. Like, why did they have to bring him back and make like a whole big deal out of it? Like that was just dumb in my opinion. Yeah, I I definitely feel you on that because I was one of those people that was like, this is not going to go well in the locker room because like I could just see it happening where it's like these, these, these players, these other guys, these guys that are coming off of serious injuries, like John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, they wanted opportunity to seriously compete and show that they can still do it in the league. And here James Harden is not respecting that. Of course, he has to mind his own bag, of course, but like, you're not helping the situation at all. And you heard Boogie's comments and you heard John Wall's comments. And it was just like, I don't know what I, I agree with you. I don't know why they didn't just keep him away until they had a trade ready. It it baffles me. And, but, and then they rushed it for Ola Depot. Like bro. Yeah, who can who can leave this offseason? And I mean, at least you still got the eight picks. So To me, but, I was I was always saying to people, I was like, if Philadelphia wants Harden, they're gonna get him because the best deal is for Ben Simmons. How how could you pass that up? Yeah, I was one of those people that was never a fan of the Nets package. And somehow the Nets package was even worse than I initially thought it was going to be. Because I thought it was going to have at least Dinwiddie in it or maybe a Joe Harris in it. But they didn't even include them. It was just Jared Allen, Torian Prince, and um, Karis Aver and um, some guy off the bench, Rodians Kuruks. But they did throw in those eight. they, They did throw in those eight picks, but with picks... It doesn't matter if you don't draft well. That's so what I'm saying, bro. That's that's it why doesn't I'm matter like, if you don't draft well. So, speaking of picks, that's why like I get OKC like has a lot of picks, but like it's kind of getting out of hand. Like, chill a bit. You know what I'm saying? Because you better draft right, or that's gonna come back to haunt you. Yeah. Um, and then of course the Cavs. I do like their pickup of Jared Allen. I mean, they do kind of have a log jam at center with. Drummond and Nance and um Don Maker mm-hmm. and now Jerry Allen and JaVale McGee. I do think a couple of those guys will be gone by trade deadline to to some contenders. So I do think they are gonna prioritize Jerry Allen for their um as their center of the future to grow with their core of Colin Sexton and, and Garland, who have shown improvement. I, I think Colin Sexton's averaging like twenty seven points per game or something like that on the season but he's injured right now i believe so i do like that move for the Cavs, and they'd only had to give up dante exum which is crazy yeah that would they they are the true winners in the trade in my eyes 
Yeah, I mean, you give up Dante Exum and you get your center to build with your young core, basically. And you also get Torian Prince, who can also give you solid rotation minutes. Yeah, that was great for the Cavs, in my opinion. Yeah, so uh, all in all, I mean, it's going to be very hard to grade this trade. I was never a fan, as I mentioned before, of the Nets getting James Harden just because you just you double down on something that you already never had a problem with and you just exasperated your main issue, which was defense. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Moving on to the next topic, of course, I have is the COVID cases in the league. I know your team dealt with quite a few guys being out especially in that game where Tyrese Maxey had like 39. You guys only had like, you guys only had like seven people. So, I mean, a lot of teams right now, a lot of games are getting postponed. A lot of teams are dealing with a lot of players being out and just having to play like eight or nine guys. So what is your take on how the league has been handling the COVID, the COVID situation? Um, I think, you know, that game with the seven players the Sixers played against the Nuggets definitely should have been um canceled because Seth Curry was on the court in Brooklyn and then he tested positive like at halftime and like a bunch of players were around him and I don't know how they like I don't know how they allowed that game to happen. And I think um after the NBA saw like people like on Twitter like complaining they just decided to like keep canceling games because you saw after that Sixers and Nuggets game, every game's getting canceled. They're not allowing like this to happen anymore. So I'm glad that's happening. But I think um, a lot of people are saying like the NBA is handling this terribly. But in my opinion, it, this this never happened before. Like the NBA handled the bubble so well. So I'm kind of giving them like a leeway. Because, like, it's tough to handle this. Like, every league, like the NFL, the MLB, they had problems in the beginning. It's just this, it's just this initial setback that they got to get over. And once they get over this hump, everything's going to be fine, in my opinion. And we signed up for this season. Like, coming into the COVID season, you were expected to have, like, weird games and G League players playing. Like, as a fan, I expected that because I saw the NFL struggle. I mean, the Browns had to play a playoff game without their head coach. Like this is just going to be a weird season. Yeah, I think I think after the bubble, a lot of people expected the NBA to continue on this track of like keeping it keeping everything under control, but like the bubble was a controlled environment, so it's hard to replicate that when everybody's just like everyone's not in a bubble. Everyone's like out in the general public they're going to their houses they're doing whatever who knows what they're doing off the court when they're not with the team etc so we don't even know how some of these guys got it but it's also just um it is it is going to be a weird season like you said the other leagues they had to deal with this in the beginning but after a while they they kind of got it somewhat under control and there was like less cases as the season went on so i think it i think the season um will continue to be a little bit weird for like an, the next couple weeks but then after that it will kind of like kind of simmer down a bit because i think they will start to get things under control so i think we just 
I mean, it sucks that we have to say we they just we just got to deal with it. But like in the reality of it, I mean, yeah, we just got to deal with it, bro. Yeah, I mean, you you we heard the quotes from George Hill. He's not so happy about having to just be under such strict rules. But I mean, everybody's living under strict rules, so it's yeah. Like, I don't it's I don't not think just a you. lot of people realize that like these players don't want to be like have their bands like on after like the games like they voted to take that off so they're not like so they get home and they're living their life privately like they don't want to like do all this you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i definitely agree so i mean yeah like you said we're just gonna have to get through this and hopefully everyone makes it out as safe as can possibly be um so let's get on to the MVP race, which we briefly mentioned has a lot of big men so far early on. So who are your who are some of your MVP favorites right now? I think um LeBron's up there. I think um Joel Embiid's up there. I think Jokic averaging a triple double as a center is pretty crazy. Sabonis. But my prediction is um Joel Embiid because I think the Sixers are gonna like get the top two seed and I think Embiid's just gonna keep playing the way he's playing because he looks like a different type of player this year in my eyes. Yeah, he definitely looks extremely dominant. He looks focused. Um last year he also looked focused, but like he also didn't look like he was having as much fun. I think this year he's having a little bit more fun playing the game. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say if the Sixers do keep up this winning, this winning track record, they definitely, Joel Embiid will definitely have a case for MVP, which I didn't even anticipate coming into this season. I had my MVP favorite as, as Curry, as yeah, yeah. kind of as a biased Curry fan, but also as like, I thought like if Curry can keep them afloat around like a four seed or something, I think he'll definitely have a case. He's up there too, though, for sure. Yeah, he is. I mean, if the Warriors can continue playing the way they've been playing after those two games, which have been which were like the worst two games they played, mm-hmm. I think they definitely can, can if they can continue this pace, he definitely has a case. Um I do I do like Sabonis. I don't know if a, a guy from Indiana from the Indiana Pacers is ever really going to win MVP or get serious MVP consideration except, except for like that one time Jermaine O'Neal did way back when. Um, uh, a, a big favorite early on this season was Luca, but like the Mavs started off like pathetically and so did he, and he looked out of shape. So I think he, the MVP conversation around him kind of died down. Um, Trey Young was an early favorite of mine initially too, because of just how, how, how well the Hawks were playing, but now they're struggling once again. So I think he's out of it, but yeah, I definitely agree with you. Joel Embiid is definitely the favorite right now. Um, and then I also have Steph Curry up there as my um as my second with LeBron. Yeah, I was I was not anticipating an MVP season from Joel Embiid, but after I saw him like that first game, I could just tell he he's in the best shape of his career. He looks pretty skinny, and he just he just has a different attitude this year. And the shooters around him are going to help him out a lot. Definitely. So um. Let's get into some teams that have um, surprised us this year. 
Um, for me, my own Knicks surprised me this year, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I knew there was gonna be like somewhat of a change in like I guess the attitude of the team. But like I didn't expect us to come out to like a five and three start. We're on like a four game skid right now. But I I didn't initially expect us to start five and three through the first eight games of the season because like I knew our schedule was so tough heading into the season. Like we had the toughest schedule I think in the league of like teams that played their first ten games. And for us to come out five and five after our first ten, I was like that's pretty good because I expect us to go like two and eight. And then I didn't expect the Julius Randle yeah, renaissance. Like <laughs> he's an MVP candidate, bro. <laughs> if the Knicks can, if the Knicks can have a playoff spot, he'll definitely have a case because they haven't had one of those in seven years. So that's for sure. But like, like if anyone heard me talking about Julius Randle last last season, you would think I wanted to like strangle the man because like yeah. I could not stand watching him play. Like the way he played basketball was just not aesthetically pleasing. It wasn't winning basketball. It was like I'm going to truck my way through three players <laughs> and and get the ball into the basket one way or another. He thought he was and Giannis. Like, yeah, he thought he was Giannis and doing all like all these spin moves and it was like I was like, yo, like, what is this player? And, like, what have they enabled him to do? Like, why are they letting him do this? And I was so pissed. Like, I I was so pissed at him. Like, I completely disregarded how bad Alfred Payton was as well last year. But, like, this year he's, like, averaging, like, 20-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, 5-plus assists per game. He's, like, in the company of, like, Giannis and, like, and Joker. And it's like it's insane. I I can't believe. It. I mean, I DM'd you the one day, and I was like, "Can they just get rid of Julius Randle already?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm like, I was I was telling you, I was like, I'm waiting for it just as much as you are, and like, because I didn't even see this coming. Because like, even in preseason, they were still he was still showing the signs of him from last season, and I was like. Yeah, we got to get rid of him. Like, just give Obi the keys and let's go. But, like, I don't know what happened between the preseason and the regular season, whatever short period of time, those five days it was or whatever. Like, he completely flipped and, like, changed. And, like, he's become this awesome facilitator. He still gets the turnovers occasionally, but at least he's not doing the dumb spin move. Like, he's getting turnovers because he's, like, trying to find open teammates, which I can understand. And I don't mind at all as long as like he's like still keeps it at a minimum. But yeah, I didn't expect them to like play defense the way they do. Like they play defense <laughs> on like a string and they play like hard defense. And I haven't seen a Knicks team play defense like this like ever. Because like Knicks are never known as like a defensive team. Like the team that everybody comes to the comes into the garden and walks all over. But like Thibodeau has like really changed the identity of this team and like I'm just like completely shocked. I know we're like on a four game losing streak and like we're missing a ton of guys as well. So like hopefully we can go back to our winning ways once our rotation fills out and continue this new era of Knicks basketball. So that's one team that that surprised me. What's what's a team that surprised you so far? I would have to go with the um, Sacramento Kings. I think mm. they're pretty surprising. I, I kind of expected them just to be like a, it's a trash team, but they're surprisingly like 
actually competing and winning some games. And Tyrese Halliburton, man, he impressed me a lot. Like just his, I think it was a blessing that he dropped to the Sacramento Kings because he fits with that offense perfectly. And Buddy Heald, you know, he could shoot the lights out. And but I coming into the season, you know, Buddy Heald's been in trade talks, so I kind of expected the chemistry to not be there. Rashawn Holmes also has been impressive. So I think the Kings have impressed me a lot. They're fun to watch, too. They are. I actually do try to catch some of their games late at night because I know they're like on the West Coast, so it's really hard to catch their games. But like I was completely down on Halliburton. I did a pod with Robel and I was talking about Halliburton and I was like, like I've heard rumors about him coming to the Knicks. I heard the smoke and I was like, <laughs> I don't, we don't need this right now. Like I that don't was me, need bro. This. That was me. And I was like, I didn't believe in a shot. Yeah. The shot still looks so weird, but somehow he gets it off. But like, it's like he gets it off, off spot up. So it's like, okay, but he's not doing anything really off the dribble, which was the concern. But, like, that's what the Knicks wanted in a point guard, which is why I was like, please don't draft this guy. But, like, I would rather have Tyrese Halliburton than Alfred Payton right now. Like, I'll tell you that for sure. Like, at least Halliburton shows some semblance of shooting and knowing when to pass players the ball because, like, Alfred Payton lacks that completely. So I would rather have Tyrese Halliburton. But, yeah, with the Kings, there is an odd issue there, though, that kind of subsided that was going on early on. Marvin Bagley's dad, I don't know if you saw on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah I did see that. Said, like, asking him for him to be traded. And I was like, this could get ugly. But it kind of, like, passed over. And, like, they're kind of over it now, I guess. Who knows if they decide to trade him anyways. But Marvin Bagley has looked good in some games. Early on, he did look like he was struggling a bit. I don't know if it's because of like he's missed so much time. That's why he um he struggled, but he looks like he's getting into rhythm. Um and yeah, I mean, they are a fun team to watch, which it kind of brings me back to when Dave Yeager was there and they were just running up and down the court. I think the Cavs are another team. Like I wasn't expecting them. I was expecting a great season from Colin and Darius. But, like, their defense has been actually really surprising this year. Like, the way they're playing. And they're they're injured right now. They have a lot of injuries. But before that, they were, like, number one in a lot of categories for defense. Yeah, which was which is, like, it's surprising to see a Cleveland team without LeBron be, like, somewhat <laughs> competent. Because we're so used to, like, the Kyrie Irving and Deion Waiters and Tristan Thompson days. And, like... It's like we're it's 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 refreshing to not see so many garbage teams in the league because it like it makes you feel like every team is like somewhat on a right track, which is like it's good for the league for every team's fan base to at least be involved with their team because they're not complete trash. So like Cleveland definitely has surprised me. I did not see this coming from them. They they actually had a winning record when they were like completely or like somewhat fully healthy. Now that they're completely depleted, they've been kind of like losing some games. So it is going to be interesting to see when they do get their guys back, if they can go back to it the way they were to start the season. But I do think, like I said earlier, I think some of their centers will be gone. I know they've been running out some all-center lineups recently yeah. because they don't have much guards left. So, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what happens with some of those guys. Like, 
an Andre Drummond and a JaVale McGee, which contenders will be um, vying for. I think we got to give some love to the Charlotte Hornets and the Orlando Magic. Charlotte has become a super fun team to watch. So fun, bro. Simply because of LaMelo Ball. Like the wizardry, the wizardry of LaMelo Ball is like astounding. Like the passes he makes, the chemistry he has with guys like Biombo and Miles Bridges is like ridiculous. And then you got Gordon Hayward, who's like resurgent this year. And Terry Rozier is. He, uh, Terry Rozier, Lou Will, Will 2.0, bro. He's like a spark plug. He's coming. He's coming in. He should come off the bench, I think, or not him at least, but maybe Devonte Graham. One of them should come off the bench for Lamelo. I think. I don't know why they're taking it so slow with Lamelo. Yeah, it's um, weird. Very weird. I mean, you just see the 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 difference once he's in the game. How like the offense changes. Like it just becomes that much more dynamic. But. Yeah, Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, they've, like, made the team competitive. So far, the contract does not look that bad for Gordon Hayward. We'll see in due time how it looks as he gets older, as the years pass by. But, yeah, LaMelo Ball making his case for Rookie of the Year um, early on. And he's made the Charlotte Hornets fun. I mean, it's so good to have all these fun teams. And, like you said, the Magic... Mm-hmm. It sucks to see Markel Fultz go down with yeah. the torn ACL. I mean, you felt like he was just on the rise. I know he was with your Sixers for a bit. How did you feel about him when he was with your Sixers? I know there was like some issues with the shot and whatever, but like, yeah, that was just the Sixers um, draft curse. If you're drafted by the Sixers, you can't shoot. Mikel Bridges, he got drafted by the Sixers. He had a hitch in his shot the first two years. You know Ben Simmons then. Markel Fultz. So that was just the curse of the Sixers. So thankfully, he got out of the organization, but I think the curse is still kind of there because he just got injured, but he'll be back. Yeah, hopefully he hey, he makes a full recovery and he comes back even better than he was originally because I mean, he was really on the come up. He just got that contract extension as well. And the Orlando Magic seem to have their own curse too. I mean, like they yeah, have him true. out. Um, Jonathan Isaac was out. Okiki. Um, Okiki was out. Like, is something over there with Orlando, too. Um, but, yeah, Cole Anthony now gets to get more reps, which should be very fun. He's also someone that some people, a lot of people slept on initially in it, during the draft process because of his struggling season at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to watch much North Carolina games last season. Did you, I don't know if you got a chance to watch um, Cole Anthony last season in, in college. I actually saw him live, and it was his best game. And that dude was – he was not missing. He's just – I think he's going to be a nice scorer. I think he's going to struggle shooting-wise early on in his career. But once he gets used to, like, the NBA action, he's going to learn what works and what doesn't. He's just going to be a good scoring point guard. I think turnovers might be a problem in the beginning. I think he might struggle during his rookie year too. But over time, he's going to become a great scorer for the Magic, in my opinion. So um, teams that have disappointed us so far this year. You want to go first? All right, I I, I got this. Um, The Raptors, bro. What are the Raptors doing? 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I I wasn't so high on them to start the season because, like, a lot of people kind of underscored, I guess, the initial loss of a Sergi Baca and a Marcus mm-hmm. Saul, and we're kind of seeing what they're doing with their their respective teams right now. But like, I mean, they won today, so they're three and eight. But like, they've had a a rough, rough, rough start to the season. Pascal was struggling initially. He started to pick things up, but then he missed the two game winners. Everybody was clowning on him, <laughs> calling him Beyblade and stuff. I mean, I I just, I just I don't I don't know I don't know what the Raptors do. I don't know where they go from here. They're missing that interior presence. I know they've been playing a lot of, um. Chris Boucher center Ooh, minutes, a lot of sta- a lot of Stanley Johnson center minutes. So oh, that's, that's even worse. <laughs> I mean, so from what I've seen from Boucher, it looks like he's holding his own so far. But like you can imagine how like against like an Anthony Davis or like a Joel Embiid, how they how they'll do. It's just I just don't, I don't think they know. have the roster. It's that simple. They, they don't, and I see a lot of them on Twitter. They're kind of embracing the tank for Cade. So, yeah, I think that's I, I the best know. idea to be honest. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> their defense, the draft, their defense, though, bro. They are they I, play hard on defense. They do, they do, and like some of their players, they were struggling early on, but like I think they start to pick things up. I know there's going to be a bidding war for Kyle Lowry's services probably at the trade deadline if the Raptors continue to stay towards the bottom of the East. Ooh, I would love so, him on the Sixers. I, I know he's a Philly, he's a Philly guy. He went to Nova. So there's 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 somewhat of a connection to the city there. Um a lot of people want to see him on the Clippers. I don't know how the Clippers acquire him. Um I don't think they really necessarily have the assets to do that. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the Toronto Raptors season continues. Um, they do have this young core to build with, with Siakam and OG and Fred. I mean, they're not that, some of them are not that young, but they're like generally young. I think that um, Fred contract was a mistake. Mm. I mean, his numbers on the season are pretty okay. He's averaging 21, four and a half rebounds, six assists. And I think his shooting numbers are like really good. So, I mean, it, if he wanted to win, he could have just signed with the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks were ready to give him an offer. So, <laughs> you know, there was there there was that there was that right there. So, it's a shame he's on he's on a team that's towards the bottom of the the East. We'll see how things go there with him and the Raptors. I mean, I I, I had them as like a six seed, so like I didn't even think they would be that bad. But like, sheesh. This was like I'll not the this. most ideal start. I'll say this. My biggest fear as a Sixers fan is us getting that number one seed, and then we have to play the Raptors as an eight seed. Are you kidding me? Ooh, that's that going to be terrible. A, that's going to be a scrappy eight seed. Yeah, that's annoying. That would be the Sixers' luck, though. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, team. That, I was going to say the Raptors also, but a team that's disappointed me is – kind of the wizards like i was i was i don't know why i was irrationally somewhat high on them i had them like around the six seed range as well everyone and I was like, everyone kind of got fooled by them 
Yeah, because I was like Westbrook with like a, a great score in Beal and like some solid shooting with like Bertans and Rui stepped up his three point shot. And like, I thought they had a solid roster, but they don't play, they can't play defense to save their lives. Like, it's bad. Like, it's really I was bad. watching, I was watching a game. I was watching a couple of their games. I watched their game against the Bulls. They gave up 130 something points. I was watching their game against the Nets. They beat the Nets, but like, again, with the Nets, they don't play defense as well. So it's like, who scores? Who scores the most amount of points first? And the Wizards were the ones to get there first. But like, they didn't, they don't play defense. It's like remarkable how they don't play defense. And it's like, I noticed like there was a trend of like when Westbrook and like, I think Westbrook and Beal were both out, like their defense kind of looked a little bit better. So that may be an indictment on Beal and Westbrook. We all know Westbrook doesn't play defense. He fools people with the angry looks, but how, <laughs> how, do, you, how, how do you feel? How do you feel with the Wizards this year? I mean, they could score the rock. <laughs> they they could definitely yes. score, but I feel yep. like last year they can score too. It's just maybe it's coaching at this point. Like, Maybe Scott Brooks got to go. Like, what is what is going on? They they're showing no effort on defense. I, I mean, Bradley Beal is terrible at defense, and Russell Westbrook ain't the best. I don't, I think their roster. I think we just got fooled by the Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal and shooters around them. I think that's what fooled everyone. Yep, they got us. They definitely did. And one staggering stat about them is. Against the Eastern Conference, they are one and eight. So they can't even beat their own conference. And like the East is supposed to be the weaker one, and they can't even get it done here. So imagine when they start facing more Western Conference competition. It's just going to get even uglier. I got two more disappoint- disappointing teams. Go ahead. Now, this team I was kind of low on anyway. Um, but the New Orleans Pelicans are four and six. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? Um, the fit is very clunky there with the players they have. They have Eric Bledsoe out there. I don't like the fit oh, with him. I, I don't know. I do not he, like him, bro. <laughs> he can't he can't shoot. He um I mean he plays great defense he was like on all the defensive team last but year but he's basically what lonzo is it's like another lonzo but like L- lonzo yeah lonzo i was having high hopes for lonzo to continue the the hot three-point shooting he was doing last year but so far to start this year he's been struggling hopefully he picks it up um ingram is doing his thing on most nights zion does his thing when he's out there but I don't. Also, I also don't like the fit of Stephen Adams. That was one trade this offseason. Offseason, I was so lost on. Mm-hmm. I was like, why did they trade for a non-floor spacing big, who just gets boards, but isn't he's okay on defense, but not really the best. And like the fit next to Zion just doesn't make sense. And then they don't have that much shooters on the squad, so it's like you know what it reminds me of. It reminds what? me of the Sixers team last year with Al Horford and Bede and just a bunch of shooters who can't shoot, but they think they can shoot. And it's just bad shooting all around, no spacing whatsoever. And it's just a recipe for disaster. And then the coach is like, I feel like um, Stan Van Gundy, just not, not a good coach for them. 
Mm. A lot of people were kind of high on his hire originally, but after seeing how the team is playing, I get. I guess they thought that he would get them to play defense, which they don't necessarily do. <laughs> um, and like they can't shoot, so it's like a lose lose on both ends of the basketball. It's like it's a really odd fit. I do like. Like, I was watching their game last night, especially more specifically in the fourth quarter. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was just, like, a flamethrower in that fourth quarter. Finished the game with, like, 37 points. I don't know if they're going to give him more run. Yeah. Um, I know he struggled initially early on. But I do like what he brought to the table. I mean, he, he, could, he could shoot. Yeah. I mean, they need that. So, And he was, he was able to attack the paint, which is something that Lonzo doesn't really do. So... I don't know. Um, and what was your other disappointing team? Yeah, I'm just looking right now. And the Pelicans with Lonzo and Zion and all of them are 26th in pace. Sheesh. I feel like they should be playing faster, you know, yeah. with Lonzo. Lonzo's a great transition exactly. um, initiator. You want to get him as much transition opportunities as possible. Get him running down the court with Zion throwing those lobs. But 26 in pace is bad. Yeah, but my other disappointing team is the OKC Thunder because they just need to learn how to tank properly. Like, come on. <laughs> you should not be having five wins already. You need to be going 10 and 72 like the goddamn Process Sixers. Like, this is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? I was thinking the same thing. And I, I, I tweeted out. I was like, how does OKC keep doing this? How do they keep, like, being a good team? Like, I just don't get it. Like, this was the year that they were supposed to get Cade or whatever because he goes to Oklahoma State. And it's, like, the perfect transition to go to Oklahoma City right after. And somehow, they don't know how to tank. It's, it's so weird. And Shay's been, been playing great. Um, I don't know who's actually been playing great for them because I haven't watched their games because I thought they were going to stink this year. Um, I know Hamadou Diallo's played a couple good games. He's averaging 12 on the season. Damn. He played great. He played great against my Knicks and also against the Nets. Um, so he's 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 sort of coming up there. Basley is playing okay, averaging 10 and 8 rebounds um let's see what well up. right i think so he's averaging 11 7 and 2 i mean see they, they always find a way to have these like stable vets that are able to play alongside the young guys and able to help them develop like george hill is also there on the team averaging 11 uh, averaging like 12 points and like three and a half assists yeah. um and then theo maladon is like a player that he played pretty well in preseason. He's only averaging six on the season, but I expect it to probably go up if if they probably let go of someone like a George Hill at the de- at, around the deadline to like as a buyout mm-hmm. option. But what about yeah, the Nuggets? Some, the Nuggets are definitely a team that has disappointed me early on, but I can't say I didn't see it coming. Because I said initially in one of my like preseason pods, I was like, they they kind of regressed losing Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig. More specifically, Jeremy Grant, especially when you're seeing how he's playing 
with the Detroit Pistons. Like, he has become a a solid 20-point-per-game scorer on Detroit. And I didn't see that coming. But, like, you kind of could see it coming when he was um in the bubble and he was, like, able to play, like, a solid, like, at least number three role behind Jokic and Murray in a lot of those games. So, yeah, they definitely disappointed me. They can't guard anybody. Yeah, They give up a ton of points. Um, their offense is always going to be an engine because Jokic is like running the show and like, he's one of the best at doing it. Murray started off slow and he's not all the way there, but he can still do a little bit more. And then they also have like a bunch of guys that can step up on a random night with like, um, Morris and PJ Dozier and like a Gary Harris. So their offense is fine. Their defense is where it's gone to hell because they lost out on those two wing guys that they had. And they don't have anyone to check any other wings in the in, in the West. So they are um twenty-fifth in defensive rating as of now. Oof. That's that's rough. The Clippers rough. are twenty-sixth. Yeah, but like their offense is probably what's been carrying they, see the thing about the Clippers their defense actually doesn't look that bad on like via the eye test but it's surprising that they're that low yeah that's why I can imagine that's gonna pick up though the Wizards are only two ahead of the Nuggets that's how bad the Nuggets are 27th the Wizards yeah you're not gonna I can't like the Nuggets they've taken a step back to me as like I thought they would take a step forward as a contender no, no, they no, no. they took a step back this year. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do in terms of wing defenders. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sad to see they, they gave up their wing defender, and that's what's hurting them. Yup, and then you got MPJ who's been out recently as well because he had to re-enter quarantine again, and he's not someone that you're relying on for defense either. So it's just it's very redundant with. The Nuggets. It's just offense, 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 no defense. Yeah. And one last team that's disappointed me is Miami. And I know it's not really their fault, especially as of late, because they're kind of shorthanded with their roster. But they Mm -hmm. didn't get off to the best of starts this season as a team coming back from the finals. Granted, they had the short turnaround as well as the Lakers but like you see the Lakers how they're playing even though they're coasting they're still pretty dominant but like Miami is just like Miami's four and six they're below my Knicks like come on you guys are coming back from the finals like you guys shouldn't be is the championship is the Eastern Conference championship hangover that strong like no it's just that it was a fluke I'm I'm gonna say it it was a fluke you know that could be me because i'm a jimmy butler like hater low-key but i like <laughs> him but like like i can't you're like that you're upset you know? because he left the the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the sixes right yeah, yeah he I was like it. i'm coming i'm coming back don't worry don't worry i'm coming back and then he just leaves me for miami you know what i'm saying so yeah. i honestly i predicted i predicted them to lose in the second round last year i think a lot of people did too I think it was like a, I think the bubble 
um, the teams that were, were on top, like the Lakers and the Heat, they both had a lot of chemistry. I think that's what got them to the finals. And Jimmy Butler was playing out of his mind. But I don't know. I, I, I could see the, the Heat just taking a step back this year. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to see them when they're when they're at full strength because I feel like they also haven't been at full strength due to injuries, due to COVID. So I'll give it some time. When I do see them healthy, I do want to see if they make some strides and try to work their way up back to conference because they're sitting at 11th right now. And I had them at like a, around like a four or a five spot. So we'll see how it goes with Miami. Um, lastly, before we wrap up, some players that have disappointed. I'll let you take this one. I got to think here. So for me, again, I got to go with my own team. One of my guys, RJ Barrett. He oh. has, he has, his shooting percentages are awful. Like, I, I got to <laughs> be honest. I got to be honest. I want to cape for my guy, but I can't. His shooting percentages have been awful. Um, it it's a multitude of it's a, it's a multitude of factors. Um, he gets off to like really cold starts. That's one thing. He takes a lot of threes when it's not his game, which I don't mind because he's like kind of trying to develop the three point shot, but it's just not there. And he misses a lot of open looks. Like even like going to the basket, he misses like some some kind of easy looks which disappoints me which i think he's kind of in his head right now and i think it will get better so i'm not like off the rj barrett train but i'm like i'm kind of i'm kind of disappointed but i know he'll pick it up he's in a like he's in a sophomore slump which is kind of expected so that's who i have as one player that's disappointed me who who do you have well i have a theory on rj barrett that i kind of want to i've been waiting to run it by an uh a knicks fan Mm-hmm. You want to hear it? Yeah. So from watching RJ Barrett at Duke and at the Knicks casually, I think there's like just an issue with his like um, mentality. And it kind of reminds me of Ben Simmons. Like some nights with Ben Simmons, you get this aggressive freaking nature who's just like when he goes to the basket, he's going to dunk it. But then other nights you get the Ben Simmons who's like lollygagging around kind of just like dribble into dribble and then he passes out he he just isn't a hundred percent there like I feel like RJ some nights he just isn't like mentally there and I, I don't know I just noticed that and I think it's like a mentality thing like a lot of players have this I see it with um Lonzo Ben Simmons and RJ Barrett I see I see the same thing like this kind of passive attitude some nights which holds them back. So I think it's more of how he gets his um, shots in the flow of the offense. Because one thing I started to notice specifically last last night when I was watching them against the Nets, mm-hmm. the first half he was getting a lot of his op- he was getting a lot of his opportunities off the catch, and he was um, he either had to catch and shoot, catch and drive, and attack the paint, but. In the second half, where he really picked things up, where he went seven for nine, I think it was from the field, he was 
he had the ball in his hands. He was going downhill and he had control of what he was able to do with the ball. And I think that's where he thrives the most so far. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what contributes to why he may not be as aggressive as you think in the, in like some of those first half of of games. Cause like one thing I noticed about RJ is like, he has a lot of great second halves of games that he initially like struggles in, which, which is a result of him kind of like changing the way he gets his, um, his shots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I think it is. And like a lot of times, like, He'll get open open shots, but like I don't think that's necessarily his game, which a lot of Knicks fans have argued about. Um <laughs> because it's like we're we're like it's not his game, but you also want him to develop the three point shot because like if he if he if he can become a solid spot up shooter, that opens up so many opportunities and so many yep. lanes of his game. So it's like I, I kind of lean on the side of like it's okay for now, like let him get out of this slump and let him keep shooting because like good to get the reps in because he also reworked his jump shot this off season. So that's, that's another thing as well. So hey bro, I don't, at least he's shooting, at least he's shooting. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. I mean, with Ben Simmons, he's, he's like not at all, which is so weird. Like even when he gets to the rim. So he actually did shoot a three tonight though. He did. Oh, wow. He's one for three on the season. Hope he's not too scared of messing up his percentages. Cause you know, I know how these <laughs> players are with, with that. But yeah, what's like my easy answer would be Ben Simmons, but I'm gonna go with um Devin Booker. I've been talking to a to a Suns fan. I don't know if you know Suns Geek. Yeah, I think I've seen him on Twitter a couple of times. He's he's kind of disappointed in the way um Devin Booker's been playing. Now the Suns are a great team, but um Devin Booker's averaging like four turnovers a game. I thought he was gonna average like twenty eight. He's only averaging like twenty three. Now, a lot has to do with, I guess, the team actually being good. But I just want to throw Devin Booker out there because um, cause I, 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 didn't, I didn't just want to say Ben Simmons because, you know, it, I kind of expected Ben Simmons to be Ben Simmons, you know? Yeah. Interesting that you say Devin Booker. A lot of people would, wouldn't, wouldn't say Devin Booker because, like, they kind of, like, just look at the numbers and they probably see in, like, a couple highlights. And... I didn't. I knew he had a lot of turnovers, but I didn't know it was that bad. So, I think it's something like he's just trying to get acclimated yeah. to playing with Chris Paul and a lot of these new guys that they added because they did add quite a few new guys this off season with Jay Crowder, Langston Galloway. Um, I forgot who else they added, but they did add like some new faces. So maybe he's just trying to get acclimated to the new. The new type of offense. I don't know if they are running anything that much different from last year because I know you, adding someone like Chris Paul, you do have to change some things. Yeah, so I, I don't know if that's what's causing. From what that. I've seen thus far, and from hearing from Suns Geek, is he, he's kind of taking like a backseat to Chris Paul, just trying to like work his way in the offense and just like just trying to see what happens with the new guys. Because I'm sure he's like, oh, we're winning, so like I just want to roll with this. And he's not like taking over like he used to, but he did he did have some cases this year where he kind of like looked like last year's Devin Booker, where he just he was like, "Give me the ball, get out the way," type of play. But yeah, I think it's just Chris Paul being there. He's adjusting, and maybe he has to adjust like this to win. I guess you could say. 
Yeah. And that that happens when like teams that aren't usually accustomed to winning and they finally get a chance to and then they also have a chance to play with someone like Chris Paul. It's like it's kind of inevitable that you 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 change some things and you also just take a back seat because you just want to let that person get acclimated mm-hmm. and you're also trying to get acclimated to them. So it, it is going to be interesting to see how the Suns continue. I know a couple of Suns fans have, have been kind of disappointed with DeAndre Ayton's play. <laughs> yeah, DeAndre because, Ayton. because they don't feel like he's aggressive as as he should be as a big man, I guess. I don't watch a lot of Suns games, so I can't really necessarily speak for myself, but I can speak for what I've seen on the timeline. So I don't know what's going on there. Another person that I would have said, or I, I I can't say now, Trey. Trey's numbers have decreased a lot. And he, he's played this sort of offense that everyone is saying is kind of like hard and light where he dominates the ball. Yep. And like guys like John Collins aren't really happy with it. And they've like called him out on it. And it's, it's interesting to see because a lot of people, when they think of Trey Young, they're like, oh, he's like Steph or like he tries to be like Steve Nash. But like it's more of like Harden-esque, which is weird. But. See, yeah, Trey's someone that's definitely disappointed me, especially with the cheap fouls that he he's been get where he at <laughs> least used to get. Since Steve Nash called him out on it, the num the his numbers have plummeted. Like his shooting splits are awful at this point. I'll say this: um, coming into the season, I remember I was gonna work on a video. I was like, um, now that Trey Young has weapons, is he willing to play off ball a bit? Because Curry. He's like a point guard, but he doesn't dominate the ball. He's always running around screens, and his gravity is insane that it causes so much chaos that it gets so many people open. And seeing Trey Young at Oklahoma, the way he played, seeing him playing at um, Atlanta in his first two seasons, he dominated the ball 24-7. And I was like, is he willing to take a back seat, kind of like Devin Booker has to Chris Paul? Is he willing to do that? And as of now... Uh, I guess he's not. And as you could tell, people in the organization are getting like kind of tired of it, like John Collins saying something about it. And it's interesting to see that this is happening now, especially with all the new additions that they made. Of course, all the new additions are basically out with injury, yeah. which is so weird. And they're basically the Hawks team from last year all over again. And the team last year also had complaints of him dominating the ball. So it's like this has been an ongoing thing with Trey. Um, I'm not saying for him to turn to Steph Curry and like run all, run around about a, around a, a hundred a hundred screens because <laughs> that alone is hard to do because you need the stamina to do that and you need to know where the screens have to be set in order to be able to manipulate them and cause as much chaos as Steph does. So, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see how Trey navigates this one because the last time I saw Hawks the Hawks play. They were all trying to get their own. I think it was against the the Hornets. That's the last time I actually caught them. And it looked like everybody was just going one-on-one, trying to get their own shot because they knew if they gave it to Trey, they were not probably going to get it back. So That's a problem. It is. Um, And last, last, the last, last thing we talk about, players that have surprised us this year. Mm. You could take it from here. So... Players, a player that has surprised me this year is 
Where is it? Player that has surprised me this year is Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Jeremy Grant is averaging. Let me see if I can pull this up. 25 points per game and six rebounds. That's like legit. If they were a winning team, that's like a legit all-star type numbers. I mean, even without the winning, it's still all-star type numbers. And like I said earlier, you could kind of see glimpses of him being the third option behind Jokic and Murray in the bubble, especially in the Clippers series when he was able to take charge on both ends against Paul George and Kawhi. But, like, I didn't see this, which is, like, remarkable. And, like, I think he was, like, on a streak where he was, like, he had, like, a couple of 30-point games in there. So it's just a lot of players have stepped up their game, and, and Jeremy Grant is one of them. It hasn't led to much wins because the Pistons roster isn't ideally built for wins right now. Um, So, yeah. That's who I have as who surprised me early on. I was gonna say Julius Randle, but I kind of already <laughs> raved. I already raved about him earlier about when I was talking yeah, about the Knicks say Julius Randle again. So can't can't rave about Julius Randle too much. Gotta gotta spread the wealth of love. So who do you got? I gotta give um Tobias Harris some credit. I mean, last year seeing him, and then the first two games, I was like, oh no, no. But then he turned it on. He got Eastern Conference Player of the Week. So I'm I'm proud of Tobias Harris. Hopefully he can keep this up because last season it was tough to watch. And the first two games this season, he looked like a goddamn grandpa out there. He was so bad. Um, <laughs> I'll also say I think Nikola Vucevic deserves some credit. 22 points per game, 11 rebounds. Like, And the Magic are winning. He's very underrated, never gets credit. But he's a he's a star player. Um, another player that I have that has surprised me is Jalen Brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jalen Brown somehow in this short offseason was able to increase his offensive capacity, I guess you can say. Like he's he's here taking pull-ups. He's he's turned into somewhat of a scoring machine at this point, which I did not see coming. I mean, he had that 42 point, 44 or 42 point game it was earlier this year, and he was just scoring in such a variety of ways. Like on the season, he's averaging 26.3 points per game. I mean, he's bound to him. <laughs> a lot of Celtics fans are like, uh, is he better than Tatum now? Which I don't think necessarily because Tatum also is, I think, a bit more versatile defensively and a better playmaker as well. But having Jalen Brown step up his game like this definitely puts him and Tatum as like top wing duo right now consistently in the league. So yeah, Jalen, his improvement from year to year is pretty insane. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's also a direct impact of opportunity. Just having the opportunity to, because Kemba's not here, he gets a little bit more ball handling duties, so he's able to show a little bit more of what he's worked on, which has worked out in his favor. So it's very impressive to see what he's been able to do with this increased 
um, offensive role. Colin Sexton, another one. Yeah, he's definitely improved. I don't remember what his numbers were last year, but I know he was trending towards. Yeah, he scoring. averaged like he averaged twenty a game last year. As of now, he's averaging twenty five. Okay, and I know he Gordon he's not Hayward. The, yeah, Gordon Hayward is definitely someone that's surprised me. When I saw the contract, I was like, "Oof!" Jordan just threw money in a furnace, like. <laughs> He's just, he's just burning cash at this point. Like I always said that if you're Charlotte, you're going to have to overpay. So I wasn't yeah. too harsh on it. I was like, oh, the Hornets have to overpay. So Plus, a lot of people forget what he was at Utah. But a lot of people thought after the injuries, they're like, All right, he's washed at this point. But like. True. He 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 He's somehow proven everybody wrong. We'll see if he can, can keep if he can keep it up over the course of the season and hopefully for the course of his contract for Charlotte's sake, but it's only a matter of, of time before we see how it goes. I'm pretty sure he just got injured yesterday too. He did. I think it's like minor though. No, okay. hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. Romp. Thank you once again for coming on. Hope to have you again in the future, talking more Sixers hoops and NBA hoops in general. Um, let the people know where they can find you at. Um, just Rob underscore two point on Twitter and YouTube and anything else. Thanks for having me, bro. No doubt. And make sure you check out all the links in the description. I have links to Romp's YouTube page, as well as the links to our podcast website and podcast YouTube channel. If you are listening to this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Let us know anything. Make sure you follow us on social media at FBLNBAPod on Twitter and FBL.NBAPod on Instagram. Um, and that's it. 